to the book of Ephesians. And let's begin in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll tell you what, let's, um, praise God, let's make it chapter 3. We may get to 4 before the day's over, but let's begin in chapter 3. Amen. I have notes to keep up with notes this morning, and um, I'm reminded of what someone said to the Apostle Paul one time. They said, much learning has made you mad. Amen. Not angry mad, but like confused you, put you in a confused state. And so uh, sometimes trying to keep up with all these notes just confuses me. So we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us. And I believe He's uh, helping us this morning. Amen. Did you come here to lay hold of something? Did you come here to, to receive something from the Holy Spirit this morning? Amen. He's prompted me a couple of times to tell you this, and so I'm going to tell you, praise God. I listened to both of the sermons from last Sunday, and I don't normally do that, but I felt led of the Lord to do it. And um, it was literally as if I was listening to someone else speak to me. And I was. It was because the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Now, one of the things that I am weak in as a leader is I am weak in asking you to do things. Amen. I confess that. Pray for me. Help me be better at that, okay? But this morning as your servant leader, I'm asking you to do something for me, okay? Not for you, but the Holy Spirit. Let me be more precise. If you were here last week or if you were not, I want you to listen to those two messages. I think one of them's 37 minutes and one of them's 38 minutes, if I remember correctly, on the, on the counter. Amen. Fellowship of the Mystery Part 1, Fellowship of the Mystery Part 2. Rarely have I felt the urgency that I felt last Sunday morning. And that urgency was expressed in these words, you got to get this. I just kept, the Holy Spirit just kept over and over, tell them they've got to get this. Tell them they've got to get this. And you got to get this. Amen. And so I'm asking you, please, if you were not here, absolutely, you can, you can access those sermons through the website, through the podcast, or you can ask. There are probably some on the table back there, but if not, um, we'll get you copies of those, hard copies, free of charge, not selling you anything. I want to give them to you, please. But I'm asking you to listen to them. I know this may sound silly. I'm actually going to listen to them again. And I know you say, well, Pastor Mark, you preach those messages. I heard things when I listened to them that I didn't even know I said. Are you hearing me? And, um, or things that, I, that were brought to us last Sunday that had already, in my notes, but had already slipped from the forefront of my mind. Got to get this. Amen. And so it's available to be gotten. So you do with that what you will. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 3. And let's begin... At verse, oh, praise God. Let's begin at verse number 8. Paul says, To me, who am least in all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, in way of review, if you will notice, Paul is summarizing his entire ministry and life's work 
in these verses. He summarizes it by saying, He has preached the unsearchable riches of Christ to the non-Jewish people and making all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Making all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He's literally saying that his life's work is to help as many people as possible see something that is hidden. See something that they have not yet seen. Understand something that they have not yet understood. Now, when you hear Paul summarize his life's work and ministry in this way, it almost makes you want to think, but wait a second, Paul, I thought your life's work was basically the book of Romans. And when I, when I say that, you know, in the book of Romans, it's, it's the greatest expounding, it's the greatest unfolding, the greatest explanation of our salvation and redemption and righteousness by faith as exists in all the Word of God. It is, it is absolutely one of the single most important written works to ever be produced or ever will be produced amongst humankind. Obviously, the Holy Spirit helped the Apostle Paul write it. And you think, well, all of those things, how can you just say that, that it's only about the mystery? It's because all of that is a part of the unveiling of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. For you and me to have something unveiled that's been covered, have something revealed that's been hidden, for you to see it. Now, we were designed by God. Listen to me very carefully. You're going to get confused right here, so listen to me very carefully. We were designed by God to live by faith. And there we think, well, you know, faith and sight are opposed. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night this year. We walk by faith, not by sight. But, but we were created by God to believe what we see. We were created by God to believe what we see. But there are more ways to see things than with your eyes. Peter said to Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He saw Him for who He was in that moment. He saw Jesus not as the illegitimate son of, of a virgin who got pregnant before she got married and was now doing great things, and so the jury's still out on exactly where his life's headed. All of a sudden, when Peter had it revealed to him, he saw Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't show you this. In other words, he didn't come to that conclusion by what he saw with his physical eyes. He came to that conclusion because he saw it inwardly. It was revealed to him inwardly. He, he, he now realized something that he had not previously realized or understood or saw. So when Paul says, my life's work is to make as many people as possible, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, he's talking about a culmination of many things that all come together to complete this plan, this manifold wisdom that is also referenced here in these verses. So, 
again, by way of review, the mystery is eternal. From these verses we see that it is the reason for creation. The mystery is the reason or purpose behind the existence of time and space. The mystery not only includes and involves you, but literally goes to the heart and purpose for your existence. And the mystery is so precious and important, it was hidden for millennia in the safest place in the universe. It was hidden within God Himself. Now, I'm going to read verse 9 again, and we're going to go into verses 10 and 11. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, semicolon, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I'm going to mention this because the Holy Spirit's prompted me to mention it. We're not going to develop this until later, though. But you need to understand better understand, begin to understand wherever you may be on that spectrum. Begin, understand, begin to understand, better understand. Your life in this context, your life on this planet is both a training ground and a proving ground. You are here to be trained and you are here to be proven. It's very important. We need to understand that. I made a statement last week. I'm not going to make the whole statement again this week. But again, if you never see this mystery, you will never know what your life is about. You, your life will never make sense. And why things are the way they are right now will never make sense to you. You will always be questioning God. You will always be questioning you know, why things are set up this way. But when you begin to understand this life within the context of this life is about training and this life is about proving, it's preparing you and me for what is next. What we understand about human history, it is framed with the Word of God, in the Word of God, it is framed with what begins in the garden, ends at a wedding feast. What began with creation ends with you and me becoming one with Jesus. And everything that happens in between those two time points, in between this, when we say the end, it's, it's not the end, it's the end as we know it. But life, as far as we understand it, from this position, based upon what this book says, amen, it ends with us becoming one with Jesus. So if we reverse engineer, we, we have context then to make sense of what life is all about. Especially when you read the Scriptures and it talks about us being in Christ, us growing up into Him, us becoming the fullness of Him. All of these things are things that Father and the Holy Spirit are producing in and through you and me right now. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church which is His body. We are being built. We are being trained. We are being proven. But it's not just a proving ground in the sense that we're being proven. It's a proving ground in the sense that there are some things that Father wants to prove through you and me. Alright, I could go the rest of the day on that, but that's not 
where we need to be right now. So let me back up from that. Notice he says, The fellowship of the mystery which from, from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now... Intent is a key word. It means purpose, cause. In order that, so that. So God created... But for what purpose? To what end? What's it all for? When God created this heavens and earth, the heavens and the earth, and He put you and me in it, what did He have in mind? What, what did, did all of this, um, you know, what was it all meant to accomplish, I guess, is um, the question that He's answering here. That's that word intent. Now, I know that you're patient and I appreciate it. We could spend the rest of our time together this morning breaking down the word manifold and wisdom. I don't want to do that right now. Other places we see these words translated using the word plan. So hear me out now. The word plan. And what we see when it, when it says so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, by the church, to the principalities and powers. Are you still with me this morning? That, that phrase, might be made known, is talking about the unfolding of what has been previously folded. Are you following me? So notice the play on words here. The manifold wisdom of God being unfolded in, by, and through you and me. The church which is His body. Are you seeing this? So the plan was folded. Now the plan is being unfolded. And not only is it being unfolded, while it's being unfolded, it's being proven. It's being proven. Now, the only reason something has to be proven is if someone or some entity or some group questions the plan, doubts that the plan will work. Well, you're going to have to prove that to me, Pastor Mark, because I, just, I don't think that'll work. Why don't we try doing it this way? I don't think doing it that way will work. If you, if you think that way will work, you're going to have to prove it to me. A plan doesn't have to be proven to a group of people or to a person if that person believes the plan will come to pass, if that, if that person's all in, right? If Brian and I have a plan to do something and we're in agreement this is the best way to do it, he's not trying to prove it to me. I'm not trying to prove it to him. We're working together just to accomplish the plan, right? But if Matthew says, wait a second, guys, I don't believe that'll work. Now, if y'all want to go ahead and do it that way, that's, that's fine. See, now me and Brian are, are unfolding the plan, not just to accomplish the plan, but to prove to somebody who doubted the plan in the first place. Is this making sense? Now, remember I told you that the plan involved you and me. This is the only reason anybody would ever question a plan hatched in the heart of God. Anybody that knows God knows that anything He's going to do Himself is going to work. 
But why would somebody question a plan who knows God, who knows what God is capable of doing, that He can do all things, right? He is all-powerful, therefore He can do all things. Why in the world would anybody ever question any of His plans? It's because in this particular case, His plan involves someone outside of Him. It's a plan that depended upon another group of people. Are you following what I'm saying? It involves somebody else cooperating in order for the plan to come to pass. So this is why there is a group who doubted that the plan would ever work. And this is why there is a group that we have to prove the plan to. Okay? And that group is... Lucifer, now known as the devil, and one-third of the holy angels who rebelled against God and fell because of this great plan. So this is not like God trying to, you know, na-na-na-boo-boo to the devil. That has nothing to do with that, right? It has to do with the fulfillment of His plan, and that plan being proven to Satan and the fallen angels' demons who said it would never work. Are you still with me this morning? So we are making it known. We are unfolding the plan. We are unfolding the plan. Now, the wisdom unfolding, the plan unfolding, all of history has been the unfolding of God's manifold wisdom. I'm going to hit some high points for you, okay? This is by no means inclusive. It doesn't include everything. It's not, it's not an exhaustive list. But this plan that we're talking about, this mystery, this manifold wisdom, creation set the plan into motion. But the plan existed in the heart of God before creation. Are you with me? This is important. Because what we see is that God created all things to the intent that the plan could be carried out. So creation is not the fulfillment of the plan, but it is a necessary means to the end. In other words, if God never said let there be light, there would have never been a starting point for the plan that existed in Him before creation to begin to unfold. Have I told you lately you're a part of something much bigger than yourself? Have I told you lately that you were created by God to be a part of something much bigger than yourself? Life is not about you. Life is about Him and it's about other people. You were created with that model, with that mindset. You were created by an eternal community who exists in absolute community to for community. That's how God created you. Creation set the plan into motion, but the plan involves far more than simply getting us here. Adam and Eve, obviously part of the plan unfolding. Noah, another huge part of the plan. Abraham, part of the plan as well as his descendants. Moses and the promised land, the judges, the prophets, the kings, the law, the old covenant, again, all part of the plan, all individual pieces that were very important, but all leading to the unfolding of something much bigger. Think about that. Bigger than the promised land? Bigger than Abraham? Bigger than, than the Ten Commandments? Bigger than the 
parting of the Red Sea? Yes, bigger. Bigger than creation? Yes. So much bigger than creation, it's literally the reason for creation. Well, we tool along, we see David, right? David again, a monumental part of the plan. Then silence from heaven for hundreds of years, marking the end of the Old Testament. Do you realize we went from the last prophet Malachi until the angel spoke to Mary and Joseph and all that unfolded? Heaven was silent for all of those generations. Now, I'm not here to try to expound upon all of that, but listen to me, please. I believe at that point in human history, Satan believed God had finally given up on the plan. All that he did in the Old Testament, all that God did to try to help his people, and they just kept turning their backs on him, they just kept, you know, he would bless them and, and, and they would... Uh, fall back into sin and get captured and enslaved by somebody, God would roll up his hands and deliver them from that slavery and bless them. And, you know, they would turn to him. He'd bless them and prosper them again. And then they would forget him. And to the point that God told him, he said, look, this is how it works. This is how you do me. You this, I help you. You forget me. You fall. You repent. I help you. you and it just, it just kept repeating itself until it looked like apparently God had finally just given up on this plan ever coming to pass. Again, not because, listen to me please, not because he was unable to do it. But in order for the plan to work, it involved you and me. We were the weak link. Remember what the Bible said in Romans 8? Let me see if this will help you with this. The Bible said there was nothing wrong with the law. The law came from God. The law was right, holy, just, pure. The problem was with us and the weakness of our flesh and our inability to live up to it. Now we've talked about this before. Let me talk about it again because it's a factor here. Remember, the one thing God desires that He does not have and cannot create, the one thing He desires does not have and cannot create. That is love freely given from a willing heart. Love freely given from a willing heart. For love to be love, it has to be a choice. And if something involves a choice, that is, if, if God manipulates you into loving Him, that's not love. If somebody tries to manipulate you into giving them attention and affection, that's not love. Never has been, never will be. Amen or on me to this. Are you following me? So we see here, I'm giving you kind of a glimpse into a part, a huge part of, of this plan. The plan was for a creation to be, a being to be created by God that would then be given the choice to love Him freely from a willing heart. So you say, but He's God. He can, he can do anything. If He makes you love Him, then that's not true love. So how do I say this? We're the wild card in this plan. 
And because the devil... Remember, ministering spirits are all created beings created by God to serve the heirs of salvation. All angels were created by God ultimately to serve you and me. And if you read Isaiah 14 carefully, this is where Lucifer had a problem. Now, when he realizes, when Lucifer realizes that the plan involves creating you and me with the ability to make a choice, he saw an opening there that he tried to dart through. He's betting that he can get you to love yourself instead of loving your Creator. The devil is betting that he can get you to choose yourself over God, your interests over God's. He's betting that he can get you to turn your worship to other people and to other things and not to God and therefore prevent God's grand plan from coming to pass. Are you following me? Is this, I, it's just, this is tedious. I'm just telling you this is tedious. And I, but I'm on, amen. Thank you for helping us, Holy Spirit. Thank you for helping us, Holy Spirit. So again, silence. All a part of the plan. Then out of nowhere, <laughs> Jesus arrives and he brings the kingdom of God with him to the earth. If I'm offending you with... Um, Gambling terms, I apologize. Wild card, I know it's a gambling term. But let me tell you what God just did. When He sent Jesus and the kingdom to this earth, He just went all in. He just put every chip He had on the table. every chip he had on the table. The Bible says, again, if they had known the plan, they would have never killed him. Lucifer thought, Jesus, Son of God, eternal member of the Godhead, now a human being in a physical body. I'm fixing to turn the burner up under him. I'm fixing to put the heat to him. I'm fixing to get him to choose himself over his father. And I'm going to destroy this thing once and for all. And the harder he tried, the stronger Jesus got. The more traps he set, the wiser Jesus was made by the Holy Spirit. And he kept bearing down and kept bearing down and kept bearing down until he thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him. Surrounded by men who could be characterized as beasts. Roman soldiers who were highly trained in the art of torture and execution. And yet, Jesus resisted the last temptation before he left here. You ready for what that last temptation was? 
the temptation to not forgive them for what they did to him. Even on the cross, the devil didn't win. Jesus forgave them before he left. And so he died. And the devil thought he had won. But Jesus' death was the great undoing. Let me get back to this now. Jesus arrives and brings the kingdom of God with him to the earth. And we go from silence to God coming in the flesh, living among us, and speaking to us face to face. Again, a very important part of the plan, but the plan is still unfolding. Jesus is hated. Listen to this very carefully. Jesus is hated by the religious establishment who believe they were wrong, but believe they understood the plan and were actually protecting the plan from someone who threatened it. They saw Jesus not as a part of the plan being fulfilled. They saw Jesus as a threat to the plan. They killed him and did so horrifically. And yet the Bible says this was part of the plan and if the powers of darkness knew the plan, they would have never killed him. Jesus enters into death, hell, and the grave and defeats them and then is raised from the dead. He returns back through the heavens and defeats the powers of the air and then pours out His blood on the altar in heaven for the sins of all mankind. In so doing, He made a way for anyone who calls upon His name to be saved and to, may be, and to be made just as right before God as Himself. Now listen carefully. This was another huge part of the plan, but this was not the end, but yet another piece. The piece that became the means to the fulfillment of the plan deep in the heart of God. So what is this plan? It's hard to sum it up in one word or even in a few words. But the grand plan that existed in the heart of God, also known as the fellowship of the mystery and the manifold wisdom, as simply as I know how to say it, is God's plan to make you and me one with Him. To make you and me one with Him. I'm going to say it again. And my prayer when I say it this time is that the Holy Spirit will help you understand the profound nature of this simple statement. The plan in the heart of Father God was to make us one with Him. Now, let me say that a few different ways. Let me expound on that a little bit. To increase Himself by making us one with Him, by incorporating us into and including us with Himself. Similar to, but greater than the way a family would incorporate into and include a new member through adoption, birth, or marriage. Adoption, birth, or marriage. Now keep in mind, if this sounds far-fetched and over the top to you, welcome to the club. Many people choke and stumble here. Matter of fact, I almost feel some of you drifting away. Come on back in for another couple of minutes. okay? Many people choke and stumble here. It sounds impossible and to some even blasphemous, 
in spite of the dozens of verses in the Bible that support this and speak to this part of God's plan. Now I want you to listen to me, please. We don't come here to find and do what's popular. We don't come here to find and do what's popular. We come here to find and do what pleases God. We come here to find and do what pleases God. That's our only agenda. That's our only agenda. When we started this last week, I'm sure some of you like me are like, well, I already know that mystery stuff. I, you know, it makes for interesting sermons, Pastor Mark, but you know, I've already heard that. I, I've already been there. I, you know, amen. I'd be glad when you move on to something else. No, 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 please hear me. Please hear me. If any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. That's what the Bible says. But this truth above all others is a line in the sand. How we hear, how we respond to this truth right here makes all the difference in the world, not just for you and me. Please hear me. It makes all the difference in the world where our God and Father Creator is concerned. He has gone to all of this effort. He has gone to all of this trouble. He has gone to all of this expense. He has put Himself out there time and time and time and time and time and time again all so that now, now, the culmination of everything that led up to this moment that you and I now are privileged to live in, so that now, this plan might come to pass and be proven. From time to time, listen to me now, from time to time, I'm going to simplify this for you and then we'll finish for today, all right, for this morning rather. From time to time, accounting firms or law firms or other business entities will decide to expand. You understand that, don't you? You got a company that's growing. I know in the cabinet business, started in my basement. Then we expanded to a garage that we built, a shop that we built out back, and then we outgrew that. We expanded to a building over here. It was just Davy Allison. and that was joy in those days. Then we wound up finally landing uh, in a place on Commerce, number 10 Commerce Avenue. And it started out, it was just me, and then in order for the business to grow, for there to be expansion, had to start adding other people, and, and so expansion, right? Now, in particular, if you take like a law firm or like an accounting firm, those businesses will sometimes expand by adding a partner. By adding a partner. You ever heard like made partner, partner of a law firm, partner of an accounting firm? Yes? Because the idea is this thing has gotten as big as it can get with just us. In order for it to get any larger than this, in order for it to be any more than it is right now, we got to add some other folks to not just the company, but at the highest level. You can add other accountants, you, you can add other administrative people, so forth and so on, but to really expand is when you bring somebody all the way up and make them a partner. Their name goes on the, 
the, the, you follow what I'm saying. Praise God. Amen. Smith stamps in Brazil. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, amen. Praise God. And then all of a sudden they go from Smith, Smith stamps Brazil, Ivy. You follow what I'm saying? Amen. You follow. You, you see. In other words, we've just added a partner in this. This was in essence what the Godhead decided to do eons ago when the decision was made to create us. God was in essence planning to expand, listen to me please, not just His territory, not just His rule and reign, but He was planning to expand Himself. I was expecting it to be a little quiet in here. It's okay. He was planning on expanding Himself. Singers, musicians, if you would come, please. You see why this plan freaked the angels out? You see why even the ones who didn't fall with Lucifer still scratched their heads in awe at it and long to look into it and understand it? Now somewhere in my notes I, I have this statement. I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I'm not trying to make you nervous. I'm not trying to preach some strange doctrine that's going to offend you and make a bunch of you, you know, stay home for a month till we finish this. No, no, please hear me. Please hear me. This is the heart and plan of God. In our world, we think in order for something to be greater than it is right now, you have to get more, take more, have more. The only way to truly be greater is to be more. How do you be more than God? There is none greater. There is none more than. Anything that God would create is but a small expression of who He really is. In other words, He can't create something big enough to reveal who He truly is. Oh, sweet Jesus, I know. I just, amen. Are you with me? He, put yourself in His shoes. How do you Expand your greatness when you're the greatest. There's nothing else to conquer. There's, 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 there's nothing you can create that will truly reflect who you are. Unless you create a being that looks like you and functions like you, made just a little bit beneath you, that can know you and love you and be loved by you and be known by you, and literally be given your glory... So that the glory that used to only reside in the Godhead has now been given to you and me. And you say, Pastor Mark, the Bible doesn't say that. It absolutely does. You were created to contain the glory of God. When we sinned, we fell short of the glory of God. But now that we've been born again, He has glorified us. by expanding Himself to include you 
and me, not just in the plan. The plan wasn't, are you following what I'm saying? It's not that he's included you and me in the plan. The plan was to include you and me in himself. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow your heads with me for a moment, please. I've been trying to ease us all into this. I've been trying to just felt led of the Holy Spirit to kind of give you this in, in, in pieces and in small doses and, and uh, got kind of excited there. I just gave you a big hunk all at once. I hope you're not choking on it. I want you to savor it, meditate on it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If we're plowing, we're plowing. If we're planting, we're planting. And if we're watering, we're watering. For some, you know, different people in this room this morning are in different places in all of this, and that's fine. But please hear me, if there's ever been a word the devil has not wanted you to hear, it's this word. And if there's ever been a word that he wants to steal from your heart, it's this word. If there's ever been a word that he wants to keep you from hearing and receiving and renewing your mind to and conforming your life to, it's this word right here. And so no wonder he's telling you, that's too grand, who can, who can bear it? That's too much, who... Where is Pastor Mark coming up with this stuff? He's lost his mind. No, 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 no. Please hear me. This is the manifold wisdom of God unfolding in the church, which is his body. Father, as we stand before you today, we humble ourselves before you and we submit ourselves unto you. And we submit ourselves to your plan, Father to what amounts to the desire of your heart, that which pleases you. And that which pleases you is for you to be able to share yourself with us. For you to be able to give yourself to us and thereby make us one with you. Father, there are so many things in your word that are beyond the ability of the human mind to comprehend, but yet we can understand them by faith. And so, Father, I'm asking this morning that you help each one of us in this room, myself included, and all of us collectively, collectively together, Father, that you help us to understand this and lay hold of this by faith. Because your word says this, because your word reveals this, because it's, it's there in so many forms. It's there, Lord, and expressed and explained and stated so many times in so many different ways that it's literally undeniable. So, Father, help us now to receive this because you say it, you said it, it's true. Faith by hearing now, hearing by the word of God. Father, let let our faith rise up now and grab hold of this truth. And Lord, the image is that of someone trying to hold a rubber ball full of air underwater. It's, the enemy's trying to wrestle it away from us, but Father, we're going to stay on top of it. 
And we're going to hold fast until these things become a part of our personality and who we are and how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves in relationship to you. This morning with your heads bowed, you hear you say, Pastor Mark, I've never received Jesus as my Savior. I've never, I've never accepted for myself what He's done for me. But I want in on this. Can I see your hand? Anybody? You say, I've never been born again. Today's your day. Anybody? Amen. All right, let's sing together before we're dismissed. And if you're here and you'd like to be prayed for, we're going to pray with you. You feel free to just step on out. Amen. There's things that I'm not at liberty really to announce or shout from the rooftops just yet, but there's been some really significant breakthroughs in the last several days concerning some situations involving members of our family of faith here. And so we just rejoice together. But whatever is going on in your heart, in your life this morning, Father's interested in helping you with that. He's interested in helping you with that. So let's worship Him before we dismiss. Praise God.